Welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. This is a patron-only episode. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Stan. And I'm Drew. And we are glad that you are our patron and that you are here helping to support this show. Are you passing gas? Shut up. You say that almost every freaking time. What was that noise? Because I picked it up on the mic. That was... Your seat that you're sitting on. No, yes, it, it was. was. Not. Here's my seat, okay? You don't hear any. That wasn't. <laughs> no, wait, wait. I'm not uh, moving at all. It's yeah. not. Listen. Okay, try doing like that. Try, try rocking back and forth. Nothing. It's yours. See? Oh, that was the seat. <laughs> your seat? <laughs> it sounded like your seat, though. It was your butt that's on your seat making that. Oh my god. Whatever, dude. Okay, so I think that you have the story for this special patron only episode. I do. Are we making this into a special sneak peek for everyone? Did you not have a um little Oh yeah, I have a little doodad. You have a little diddy daddy. I have a little diddy daddy. Diddy laddie. For a little palate cleansing. Okay. Yeah, this is like just a little eye opener. Okay, we're going to release this to everyone, or just patrons. Like, no, are we gonna we're going to release every- this. We're going to let everybody hear this and see if y'all. This is one of our patron episodes. So, right, if you would is- like to join, then you click on just go join join tier join two and you will get this you'll get this full episode full episode once a month brought to you by stan and drew but you also get a mini episode every other week that's true we're also releasing a sneak peek on what that is sort of like yeah so y'all are just special dashel you're just getting a little extra today <laughs> yeah it's getting warm in here again we have the air off so that y'all oh God, do not hear so background noise hot dude. Well, there is you a bird hear singing a outside. Stupid bird! Shut up! It just won't be quiet, will it? <laughs> no. All right. So, what you got for us? Oh my God! I'm doing Jake Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Segway straight into the all the Yeah, for real. Let's see. Well, here's Jake Bird. He's a he's a 45 year old African American transient. And on um, October 30th, 1947, he breaks into the home of Bertha Clutt and her daughter, Beverly June Clutt. He walks into the house and hacks them to death with an axe. Wow. From reports of screams. He hacks with an axe. Yeah. From reports of screams, two police officers, Andrew Sabatis. And Elvin, Elvin, Evan Davis, they were sent to the Tacoma residence to investigate. When they get got there, they I swear spotted, to God, you have got to quit moving because it sounds like you're farting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. They spot a barefoot man running out of the back door of the house. The two officers immediately began chasing him. He scaled several backyards and fences until finally encountering a high fence too high to jump. 
He is now cornered in an alley behind 2122 SJ Street. Where that is, I'm not quite sure. He pulled out a jackknife and attempted to cut them. He says that he thought that he was cornered, so he thought that they were going to pull out their weapons and shoot him. So he tried to defend himself. He cut Davis's hand and stabbed Sabatus in the shoulder. Although being stabbed in the shoulder, Sabatus managed to subdue him with a punch to the jaw and a kick to the chestnuts. To the chestnuts. <laughs> After being subdued, Bird was taken to Tacoma General Hospital and treated for head and face lacerations. Sabatus was admitted to St. Joseph Hospital with a severe back wound, and Davis had cuts on his hand, stitched and bandaged. When police entered the home, what they found was a gruesome sight. Bertha Clutt, age 52, was lying dead in her bedroom, adjacent to the kitchen, and the body of her daughter, Beverly June Clutt, age 17, was found lying dead in Wait a second. Bertha, age 52, was lying dead in her bedroom. And then Beverly Juneclaw, age 17, she was found dead in the kitchen. Isn't that what I just said? I think I just said that already first time. No, you said bedroom next to the kitchen or something. Yeah, the bedroom was adjacent to Okay, yeah, you said that. The kitchen. So, the mom was in the bedroom, the daughter was in the kitchen. Yes. Okay. Both had been chopped to death by an axe. There was blood everywhere, and the axe had even been left at the scene. Detective Lieutenant Earl Cornelson determined that an attempt had been made to sexually assault Bertha Clutt before she was intentionally slain. Beverly June was sitting in her bedroom when she heard loud, aching screams coming from her mother. She quickly jumped up and dashed downstairs into the kitchen. But wait... How do they know that if both of those people are dead? I don't know. What about I How do they know. know that she just dashed down the stairs? Maybe she was already in the kitchen. No, I would assume, which I'll get to that, that he runs his mouth a lot. Oh. And I mean a lot. Uh. Like just, you know, just like confessing to everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, no one to shut up? Yeah. Well, yeah, I know somebody like that. She... Go ahead. But I watch it. I will. <laughs> you will what? <laughs> Sound like you were going to say kill me. I will stop you. <laughs> you heard it here. I'm just playing. That's off of a movie, I actually think. She did not see her mother in the kitchen, but she encountered a man who then murdered her. When the man was finally captured by Officer Sabatus and Davis, he was identified as Jake Bird, a 45-year-old transient. He had a very lengthy criminal record, including burglaries, assaults, attempted murder, and murder. Bird claimed he had served 15 years in different prisons for committing these crimes. Only 15 years for all yeah, of I, that? I'm just not so sure. Why is he only sentenced to 15 years? For murder? For murder. Attempted murder? And attempt, yeah, and burglaries, Burglar, everything. Uh, I just don't understand it, do you? Yet you might get life for smoking weed. That is true. I don't Jake get Bird it. 
was born in Louisiana, and he left home when he was 19 years old. Over the years, Byrd moved constantly from place to place, and he preferred the life of an itinerant worker. What is that? <laughs> um, moving move a, a, per, a job that travels. I don't freaking know. That's why you asked me, because I don't know. You always ask me what is something. Oh, I don't... I thought what you knew. An itinerant worker? Look it up. Okay? You continue. He found employment with the railroad as a section gang laborer. And this job allowed him to earn money to move from town to town. What is it? You ain't found it yet? Just keep going. This was a job that helped out a lot with his <laughs> desires of stalking and murdering women in the towns he visited. A temporary worker. Oh, that makes sense, because he did move a lot. Well, One Bird, who maintains no permanent residence. One who is homeless. Oh. Um, manual labor, hard manual labor, temporary work. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Bird was interrogated by Detective Lieutenant Sherman W. Lyons at the Tacoma City Jail, where he dictated and signed a confession in the presence of four police officers. His confession stated that he entered the court resident through the unlocked back door to commit an easy burglary. He brought along an axe that he found in a nearby shed to bluff anyone who tried to bother him. Removing his shoes, Bird sneaked into Bertha Clutch's bedroom. <laughs> Here's the fun. He, he went in there primarily to steal $1.50 from her purse. $1.50. What year was this? Um, 1947. Still not a lot of money. I know, but I mean, like, what? When he returned to the kitchen, he turned around and found Bertha standing behind him. Bert told her that he only wanted her money and his shoes. <laughs> you know, that he dropped off at the back porch that he entered. Mm-hmm. And then he would leave. But then suddenly, Beverly June grabbed him from behind and had a fierce um, struggle, resulting in the deaths of the two women. Bird added that he thought the policemen would shoot him if, you know, they had him caught because they had him cornered in the bushes. So he attacked them with the knife. So it, a bird was in the bushes. <laughs> yeah, a bird was in the bushes. On Friday, October 31st, 1947, Deputy Prosecutor Earl D. Mann charged Jake Bird in Pierce County Superior Court with first-degree murder, but only in the death of Bertha Clutt. At his arraignment, Bird pleaded not guilty, and the trial was set for Monday, November 24th, 1947. Oh my gosh. We're gonna have to okay. We're gonna have to take a little break right here because I don't know if you can hear this bangling rain on the roof. So we'll be back. It's actually really loud. Right after we'll, this break. Yeah, we'll come back real soon. 
And we are back, and the rain has stopped. Finally. But, um, let me continue. The trial proceeded at a very rapid pace, and was concluded in just one and a half days of testimony. Wow, that was really quick. Yeah. For a murder trial. Yeah. Prosecuting attorney Patrick M. Steele's strategy was to prove that the death of Bertha Cloyd was premeditated, thereby qualifying the defendant for the death penalty. Weighing heavily in the trial was evidence regarding the wanton murder of 17-year-old Beverly June Clutt, who was bludgeoned to death in the kitchen when she came to her mother's defense. Blood and brain tissue from both victims were found on Bird's clothing. His bloody fingerprints were found inside the house and on the axe, and his shoes were found at the murder scene. The state, the state introduced a surprise witness to call a police officer, John Hickey. <laughs> John Hickey? <coughs> Gosh. Who testified that he and Officer Russell Scadam gave Bert a beating while he was in custody. Hickey said... Quote, I regret to say that I did lose my temper after returning from the club home and viewing the terribly hacked bodies of the two women. I asked Bird as we sat in the patrol wagon, why did you murder these two women? He said, he didn't do it. I asked him, who did it then? And he said, it was Leroy. Who's Leroy? I asked him. Bird replied, end quote, Oh, another Negro around town. End quote. You're lying, I replied, and he looked at me with a smug and ins- insolent look. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the, pa- the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, Don't kill me. That brought me to my senses, and we took him to the hospital where a nurse said that he was not badly hurt. End quote. Bird admitted to the killings between beatings and in his voluntary confessions, and admitted it into evidence. Closing arguments were begun on Wednesday morning, November 26, 1947, and the case went to the jury at noon. After deliberating for only 35 minutes, the jury returned its verdict. How many minutes? 35 minutes. Bird was found guilty of first-degree murder, and the jury voted to impose the death penalty. Bird, who had been impassive throughout the trial, sat unmoved as the judge, as Judge Hodd read the verdict. On his way back to Pierce County Jail, Bird asked the five deputy sheriffs guarding him, What's all the excitement about? On Saturday, December 6, 1947, Judge Hodge sentenced Bird to be hanged on the gallows at the Washington State Penitentiary on January. Would you like to. No, would no. Would you like to speak? I don't know. Penitentiary. Tin chair. Is that right? Go ahead. 
on January 16, 1948. On Sunday, December 7, 1947, Sheriff Joseph Carpich and Deputy Michael took Bird in a patrol wagon to Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla to await his execution. Not long after Burr got there, he started talking a whole lot about his involvement in dozens of murders that took place over the span of 20 years. On January 6, 1948, Pierce County Prosecutor Patrick Steele and Lieutenant Sherman Lyons went to the penitentiary to hear Burr's confessions. Over the next several days, Steele and Lyons took notes on Burr's statements making a 174-page report. On January 15, 1948, Berg got a 60-day reprieve, or what, what do you call it? That's right. Reprieve, is that right? Um, claiming he could clear up at least 44 <coughs> murders he committed or participated in during his journey throughout the country. 44? Uh, yeah. Of these 44 confessed murders, only 11 were some substantiated. But Bird had more than enough knowledge about the others to be a prime suspect. Police from several states took the opportunity to close the books on many of their unsolved murders. In his travels, Bird had murdered people, mostly women, in Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, Ohio, Florida, Good God. Wisconsin, <laughs> Michigan, Iowa, and Washington. You bet you they wish they would have put them away for more than 15 years now. That is a now. lot. Bird sent in a petition for a retrial, but was denied. And, an exec- and his execution date was now to be held on July 15, 1949. On Thursday night, July 14, 1949, Jake Bird ate his last meal on death row and then talked with his attorney for two hours. What was his last meal? I Did don't know. Say? No, I didn't. Uh, I, would, I would assume like steak. A lot of people eat steak for the last meal. Some people get pizza or hot dogs. Some people eat anything. I, mean, I wouldn't care. Mm-mm. Bird told Taggart, which is his attorney, he could be a good loser, as long as he felt everything possible had been done to save his life. Later that night, he was moved to a holding cell near the gallows, where he was shaved and dressed in new clothes. Just after midnight, Bird walked ten feet from the cell to the gallows. Wow, that was very close. Yeah. Accompanied by Warren Warden Tom Smith and two prison guards. He said nothing to the 125 witnesses who had gathered inside the room, but muttered some comment to one of the guards, which no one will know. A volunteer prison chap- chaplain, Reverend Arvid O'Neill, started to read a note from Bird, declaring he bore no malice toward anyone and sought forgiveness. But before he finished, the trap door sprung open, Dropping Bird five feet to his death. Jake Bird was hanged 
at 12.20 a.m. on July 15, 1949. His body was taken down 14 minutes later and prison physician Dr. Elmer Hill pronounced him dead. He was buried in an unmarked grave in the prison cemetery. Wasn't that so lovely? Buried in the prison cemetery. Identified only as convict number 21520. Bird willed his personal fortune. <laughs> this is it. Six dollars and fifteen cents. Poor thing. <laughs> to his appeals attorney, Murray Tar- Taggart. History marks Jake Bird as one of the nation's most prolific serial killers. Yeah, I've never heard of him. And that's it. Most interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you so much, darling. I never heard of him. I didn't either till I looked it up. Uh, just I ran across it by looking up axe murderers, and and he popped up. You have a thing for axe murderers? No, I just wanted to try something different. <laughs> I hadn't done anything on axe murderers, so I mean, worth a shot, right? Yep, worth a hack. Am I right? Oh my god, <laughs> that was the freaking worst joke I've ever heard in my life. All right, and now I have a little palate cleanser for us. A story. No. You have a little story for us. I have a little short, some little short thing, you know. Okay, something funnier so that, well, maybe not a little funnier, but something. Well, I find it to be a little bit funny. Well, then something a little funnier. I was looking up weird or bizarre murder weapons. And so here's a. What was it? Here's a few. A dildo. Here's a few. It's got to Let's be not try to guess. Okay, thanks. One is breasts. Breasts. It's a murder weapon. Yep. The next time you have an urge to go face first into an ample bosom, you might want to <laughs> consider the case of Donna Lane. In January of 2013, police were called to a trailer park in Snohomish County, Washington. After residents heard fighting from a neighbor's home, when police arrived, they found a 192-pound Lang apparently passed out on top of her 175-pound boyfriend, with her chest completely smothering his face. Although some might consider death by breath the best way to go, it seems that the boyfriend did not enjoy his final moments because witnesses heard him screaming for Lang to get off and investigators discovered clumps of her hair in his dead hands. Eat more chicken. Lang <laughs> was charged with second degree murder. But I kind of feel that's bad because, because I don't know what they were doing. She passed out. She was passed out on him. Exactly. Wait, but why couldn't he get up? I guess he couldn't push her off or something. Oh no. Poor thing. That's pretty sad. Okay. I say whenever you pass gas, that should be a murder weapon itself. Or your breath that I'm smelling right now. That could be. Another. <laughs> Next, a crucifix. If you're gonna kill someone with a crucifix on Christmas Eve, no less. 
you have to be really confident in your stance as a non-Christian or be willing to risk a few lightning strikes. Not sure which side Karen Walsh of Ireland was on, but the woman was definitely willing to press her luck with the law when she used the religious ornament to mortally bludgeon her 81-year-old neighbor, oh Marie Rankin. God. Adding insult to injury, the soccer mom, looking murderous, sexually assaulted the granny in an effort to throw off police. It's not fair. The body was discovered by Rankin's family, who went to check on the elderly woman when they could not reach her by phone. She was discovered lying naked, bruised, and bloodied on her bedroom floor with imprints of the crucifix's thorns on her chin. Oh, my Lord. Walsh was convicted of murder in 2011 after the prosecution argued she'd killed Rankin in a drunken rage when the older neighbor admonished Walsh to quit drinking and go take care of her two-year-old son. Walsh continues to assert her innocence and says she only consumed a small amount of vodka that day and merely went to visit Rankin to tell her Merry Christmas. Next. Okay. Next murder weapon, prosthetic leg. <laughs> I would have, well, I would have thought. Well, in 2011, Deborah Hewitt, a homeless Louisiana woman, was convicted of killing her boyfriend with her own prosthetic leg. Although she'd been accused of killing twice before, but was acquitted both times, and she looked far from heavenly, Hewitt had picked up the nickname Angel somewhere along the line. The prosecution immediately twisted it into the more appropriate Angel of Death, which the press pounced on. According to reports, the Angel of Death stomped on her boyfriend, Dwayne Ball. <clears throat> oh. I'm sorry about the name. Oh, then thing. took off her prosthetic leg and used it to beat him to death, all while balancing on one good leg. That's After it. the pounding, she left Ball for dead in Lafayette Parish. Oh, man. The body was found six weeks later. Six weeks? Yeah, and you know it gets hot down in Louisiana. Oh, my Lord. Hewitt was given a mandatory life sentence, so the formerly homeless killer is now getting three squares a day, free health care, and a roof over her head. That old teacher. Oh, my goodness. Poisoned vagina. That's a good one. While no one actually died in this case, they almost did. They attempted to murder someone through poison laced lady parts. Oh my goodness. Here's how it went down. <laughs> Literally. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but not. After a Brazilian woman's husband refused to grant her a divorce, she apparently figured the next best option was to get rid of him. Permanently. There are any number of murder weapons she could have chosen. Many methods of poisoning, since that was her preferred exactly. technique. But she chose a vagina. But astoundingly, she figured the best plan was to stuff a toxic concoction up her cha-cha and invite her husband to perform oral sex oh, on said cha-cha. Goodness. The plan failed, however. Because when the husband started the deed, he became concerned about the strange odor coming from his wife's. Oh my 
God. Cha-cha. That is hilarious. And immediately took her to the hospital. It smells so bad. <laughs> oh my God. Is it from just her musky odor? No, I guess it's from all the stuff that shoved up it. Oh. Ironically, his quick action likely saved his would-be killer, since the wife could have just as easily died from the poison. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Hmm. Because she shoved it up there, so it's so going. So she would have died if he wouldn't have done that, right? Probably. Wow. I mean, it's a very likely that she would. Wow. But death while somebody's going down on you, I mean, could be worse. Well, I don't really know. Anyway, number last uno. The last one. A dessert spoon. A dessert spoon. Mm -hmm. In case you might have needed any more convincing that you can be off by just about anything, let me introduce you to Timothy Muggy, a guy who was taken out by a mere dessert spoon. On the day of this particular incident, a man named Richard Clare escaped out of a window in a drug rehabilitation center in Hertfordshire, England. To collect money, the disabled McGee supposedly owed him. When he couldn't get any cash off the man, Claire took McGee's cell phone as part of a heroin deal. It was when McGee went to get his phone back that Claire hit him on the back of the head with the deadly spoon, which ruptured an artery and caused fatal bleeding between McGee's brain and skull. That is very unlucky. Yes, very. The courts deemed Claire innocent of murder. How? Believing that his assertions of self-defense. Yet gave him a whopping seven days in jail for stealing the phone. (laughs) Seven years later, in 2010, Claire was convicted of a different homicide and given no fewer than 27 years in prison. In the second killing, Claire opted for an axe instead of a spoon. Wow. And went so far as to bury his victim in a metal box in their garden. Wow. So I thought I would round it back off with an axe. See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. So we have deadly cha-chas. We have spoons, breasts. Y'all stay safe out there. You can kill somebody with anything. With anything. Keep your prosthetic legs to yourself. For real, and don't be opening your your poison cha-chas to anybody. No, especially if it stinks. <laughs> Wash first. Well, is that all that you got? That's all I got. Well, that's all I got. It ain't much, but I'm just <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> I'm just no, not. So, thank you for joining us on this patron episode. Thank you. Until next time, I've always am Stan. No, I'm always Drew. And we'll see you next time. See ya.